What a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the villain Marty Scurll and you are listening to Behind... No, sorry, what was it? <laughs> oh. Me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla, another quarantine episode of Behind the Gorilla. And, uh... Yeah, we we got we're getting to another famous one today, Harris. A, oh uh, boy, a very well known one. However, I feel like it's more well known as just the ending part that people know about this, right. and, and people know it more of the you know the result is very very yeah. well known. But maybe the buildup isn't quite as well known. I'm sure a lot of people will still know it, but maybe not everyone. Definitely not as many people who know know of this story know necessarily all of the buildup to it. So uh, this actually started. I was trying to do a certain part of this topic that just happened to be in the middle of the more famous thing, and so I was like, yep. "Oh, well, shoot! Now this is going to take much longer because I have to do." this whole thing now so that it's funny how often that happens in what we do like we were just talking about this our topics always balloon and get way longer than we expect them to and we always think we have something in mind and it's going to be nice and tight and like just a few weeks worth and you start to watch it and you start to get sucked into the network and you're like wait then this happened yeah and this person said what and then they did what (laughs) Well, the other thing spreads. is even when we do just one pay-per-view, they end up taking it a while because, you know, it's us mm. talking about it, but then it's it's like us describing it and going through the story, but then it's also us talking about it at the same time, which always ends up, you know, adding time. But anyway, we got an, we got an interesting topic. I'm sure every, every single one of you have heard about it. Um, probably a lot of you will know the whole story, but some of you might not know the entire story, so we're going to get... We're going to get into that in just a moment, but uh, leading up to stuff, we usually talk about some stuff going on. However, I, I don't I don't know. I don't really care. AEW Mark, is good. The TNT tournament's going on. As far as WWE goes, I'm, I'm, I don't care, and I don't know anything. So, Mark, we missed a major landmark in wrestling history. We did? It was 25 years of Triple H's career on oh, Friday, Mark. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Hang on, I have to tell you about this because okay, yeah, I've been I've been tuned out since WrestleMania, which I normally do anyway, and the fact sure. that they're quarantined has made that a lot easier, frankly. But I was I don't even remember what I was watching Friday night. It was like nine thirty, mm-hmm. and I saw on Twitter, oh, they're doing the Triple H celebration now, and I thought, you know, I need to watch this because I need to know what mark is missing so i control him about it on the podcast basically <laughs> it's just it was fun to watch and just imagine how mad you would get i nah, it's not even mad i just don't care here's the thing dude it was genuinely pretty funny because it was one of those dx sketches like it was just yeah. him and Shawn michaels in the ring and yeah, Shawn that's michaels, always good sean michaels was just ripping him the whole time that's all it was it was just like 
he didn't he didn't have a match with anybody he didn't bury anybody they clearly were just like look we don't have that many things to tape right now like storytelling wise because there's just only so many things we could do and we just cut a bunch of people and we're running out of ideas for things we can do in an empty arena so it was just him and Shawn michaels riffing for like 30 minutes at one point Shawn michaels goes you know i like to consider myself mr wrestlemania but I think what what I accomplished at the show of shows pales in comparison to your career. So let's take a look at all the things you've accomplished. And I'm expecting it's going to be this, you know, time to play the game. And he's beating Sting and he's beating this person and he's winning the title at WrestleMania 2000 and all this stuff. And it's just a super cut of every loss he's ever had, which is like, (laughs) you know, 14 WrestleMania losses over 25 years or something like it's not a lot because – that's usually his job is to put the baby face over. Right. Obviously not always, but it was just him getting his butt kicked for like three minutes. That's and then he cut great. back to them in the ring and he's like, yeah, thanks Sean. That was, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> now I, I was, then, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No. I, okay. I was just going to say, look, as much as I have never been a huge fan of triple H and there's a lot of things that I really despise that he's done. Like the guy is hilarious when he's in a comedic role, especially with Shawn Michaels. Right. And I don't even, and to be honest, I, I don't really, I don't like really the original DX run all that much. I think their other runs afterwards, while not as memorable, were much funnier. I thought the humor that they did in their uh, later ones, the one in like 2005, six, and then later in like 2008, nine, I thought, I thought they were funnier in those than when they were just doing straight, inappropriate weird stuff in the uh, original dx run but point being those two together are very funny they're they're they're, they're very very funny together and i enjoy watching them yeah and it, like they kept getting interrupted like stephanie mcmahon called him at one point and they were like facetiming and Shawn michaels was making fun of her you know because like triple h has the phone up and he's talking to her and sean is behind the phone on the other side going nah, 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 nah. right right except they're filming it all and it's being broadcast live and she's like he's making fun of me no no stuff he's not no like i i can see him i'm watching smackdown i can see his <laughs> face right now like it was a lot of stuff like that That's and cute. then vince mcmahon came out doing his like billionaire strut for an empty arena which is just hysterical and he was like man this this sucks. This segment sucks. It's really boring. Hunter, you you suck. Katie Vick, that sucked. Uh, the gobbledygooker, that sucked. The Bailey, this is your life segment you booked a few years ago. That sucked. Wasn't Bailey's fault, but it sucked. <laughs> and uh, come on, let's wrap it up. We got a show to finish. Uh, just kidding. I love you, son. And Triple H was like, I love you too, Vince. And then Vince was like, all right, wrap it up. And then he swaggered off. And then they just turned all the lights off. And then the show was over. <laughs> it was absolutely bizarre, but That's it was way more entertaining than it had any right to be. Plus, I thought Vince McMahon was about to come on screen and be like, hey, remember that Bailey segment we did one year? That sucked. And then just never address it again. But he yeah. actually caught himself and was like, and that wasn't Bailey's fault, by the way. And I was like, yes, let's That's go, funny. Vince. He knows. That's funny. It was That's it funny. was a bizarre segment, dude. It had no business being anything close to good. It's the only WWE I've watched since wrestlemania but it was actually a pretty good time yeah fair enough fair enough um oh uh one thing i did want to talk about so there's all the release you know there's all these releases of of guys well now we're gonna start you know we're gonna start getting to see what what happens next with a lot of them 
Obviously mm-hmm. not fully because everything's kind of not happening right now, but right. I do like the little things were start that are starting to emerge with every everyone. Obviously, the revival have like come back to life and are actually on social media now, really again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, acting like they are not completely miserable. <laughs> so already, they're fun. They're more fun with that. Um. Mm-hmm. EC3 came out with his own like big like first promo video um after being released which was pretty cool done like in like this back stairway of a warehouse or something and all in black and white very uh you know very John Moxley not as cool movie thing type <laughs> type of vibe not not like as a slight or anything to it because that was that was a literal professional like short film that that Moxie yeah. made well um, i feel like ec3's whole thing is that he's kind of a like he's kind of a dork like he can't be as effortlessly cool as john moxley that's not his thing he's well, way yeah. more uptight you know? i mean he so uh, that's that not what he was going for i was just a, trying right. to reach for some sort of comparison that that that's the vibe i got because like moxley got released and then this big video came out like with him talking and stuff. So it just reminded me kind of of that. But it was just so nice to see. I'm just like, yes, we haven't seen this in like three years. And it's like, finally. Yeah. Freaking EC3 should be like, he already was. He was the face of TNA for like a couple of years as like their ch- ultimate champion and all this stuff and was great. And then just, and then became like the young, cocky upstart in WWE where it's like, wait, who wasn't allowed to talk? <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, wait, wait what? Harrison. But anyway, it's like a major, major <laughs> champion goes to another company and then just is totally bare. Okay, that's a good example. It'd be like if Nick Aldis went into WWE and then was like this young, upstart, hungry person trying to fight his way into the Intercontinental title picture or something like that. And you're like, no, 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 no. He's like the face of a company for like three years. <laughs> What is wrong with you? Anyway, that that's neither here nor there. Anyway, it was nice to see, like, actual EC3 for the first time in years. Um, I I enjoyed seeing that. But, um, yeah, I have really no current stuff. Other than AEW, their shows are constantly entertaining. Each and every week, even the Empty Arena, they have, like, ten random wrestlers who are on either side of the ring making noise. Mm-hmm. You have the best commentary team possibly of all time right now with Tony Schiavone and Chris Jericho, which like I already think AEW's already doing a pretty good job and it's pretty entertaining, but mm-hmm. those two bring it to a whole nother level to where like, I almost would rather it just stay in quarantine and us just keep doing this with getting to hear them on commentary. <laughs> then let's go back to normal and then bring Excalibur and Jr back to commentary not even that i don't like I, I like excalibur and jr fine but it's so not as good as what we're getting right now and i know it's going to go back to that once we go back to normal and i'm a little disappointed about it because tony Schiavone is my favorite commentator ever and mm-hmm. chris jericho has already vaulted himself into like the early jerry lawler like bobby the brain heenan level <laughs> heel commentator already after like three weeks he's already at that level pretty much he's incredible every single thing he says is hilarious everything he says is funny his personality works perfectly for that role but he also doesn't overdo it where he's actually commentating and actually praising people for doing stuff at the same time like he has struck this great balance and it's amazing and i love it so i appreciate aew 
continuing and continuously putting on entertaining wrestling for me to watch every week. Um, all right. Well, next segment we got to talk about. We haven't had one of these segments in a while because there's nothing to talk about, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's time for What's Up with David Arquette. Harris, do you know what today is? Now we're today? Rec- we're recording this on Sunday, so for people listening mm-hmm. on Monday, just think back to yes- yesterday. Today is the anniversary of one of the greatest days in wrestling history, Mark. Harris, today is in fact one of the greatest days in wrestling history. 20th anniversary, April 26th, 2000. Our patron saint, the one and only David Arquette, Pinned WCW uh, CEO, president, whatever you want to call it, the one and only Eric Bischoff in the middle of the ring on an episode of Thunder to become the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Who can score the pinball here? Spear by Eric Oh, Jared's got the belt. Kimberly went down in a heap. There's no referee, guys. There's a there's a referee. He's over towards Arquette. One, two, three. What? What? What is this? Did David Arquette just... What's going on here? David Arquette won the world title. David Arquette won the world title. He can't believe it. David Arquette won the world title. Did David Arquette just win the world title? Did I see that? David Arquette just kicked out the belt. David Arquette the world. David Arquette the world. Never been done before, will mm-hmm. never be done again. An actor was the actual champion of a major wrestling company, and it couldn't have happened to a better individual. And he would go on to have a two-week reign as champion, touring, doing all the house shows, uh, touring completely with the with the uh, the talent, and then ultimately uh, wrestling in a triple cage match at Slamboree against Diamond Dallas Page and Jeff Jarrett for the world title where he would turn heel on DDP and and let Jarrett win the title and then have a couple of couple of days run as a heel before everything stopped. Um, but yeah, we all have to take just a little bit and just relive that amazing moment. I tweeted out this, the, um, the moment on Twitter yesterday, so check that out at behind underscore gorilla. It was a great time, man. It was a great time. It's a great moment. One that we should all remember. And remember even more fondly now that he got back into wrestling and has, of course, proven himself as an even more qualified world champion. Still waiting mm-hmm. on that next title run, though. That's We're still waiting on it. We're still waiting on his second title run. Well, listen, Gronk, Gronk quit. Gronk was a wrestler <laughs> for like a week and then was like, nah, man, I can't do this anymore. I got to go back to the NFL. It's that way was easier. Funny. That so, perfect time for David Arquette to step up and fill that void they need. Give them that celebrity recognition. David Arquette could 100% be the 24-7 champion. Uh, yeah. 100%. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. It needs to happen. That's, WWE, that's get on I'm, that. That's what I'm saying, man. New Let's 24-7 make it happen. champion. The one and only David Arquette. But anyway, 
Just had to take a brief moment and just uh, just go back and remember that fantastic moment. Um, you guys can listen to our interview with David Arquette from last year where he talks about it, talks about him traveling with the other wrestlers and a whole bunch of stuff. So You can also listen to our episode where we actually covered David Arquette yeah. winning the title because we did all that first. That was one of the first episodes it we was. ever did. Episode 3, our very th- our third episode ever. It's uh, 10 Pounds of Arquette. And we go through the whole story of David Arquette winning the WCW World Championship. And that's when he became our patron saint, is is in the process of that episode. When we realized that this man is literally our show, personified. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where it all started. And then then the surprise David Arquette the next week just fully cemented it. And it was never going to change after that. Right. Um, But yeah, go back and listen to that. In remembrance of a fantastic wrestling moment. You know what? Vince Russo, you're a moron, but thank you so much for giving us this moment because it was – it's one to remember. That's for sure. We would have never got Kurt Russell on an episode of Nitro either if it wasn't for that. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to our episode. We'll, I'll tell you all about it. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Time to get into the main event of the show because, Harris, it, I said this to you earlier. It's, it's, it's a little dense. It's a little for a dense. change. Yeah, I know, right, for a change. So I'm going to try. I am hoping to get through this as, you know, briskly, as smoothly as possible, but there's a lot to talk about. So we're going to go all the way back to a time we're pretty familiar with. It's uh, 1999 WWF, which is probably the third most popular year we've talked about, mm-hmm. I would that have to think. Right. Uh, 2000 WCW, 2005, or uh, – Maybe third or fourth. It's like 2000 WCW, 19 or uh, 2011 WWE, 2005 WWE, and now uh, 1999 WWF is is right up there. Because in the process of going through this, there were at least two or three other episodes going on at this exact same time, mm-hmm. uh, which I would see little clips. And I'm like, oh, that's going on now. Oh, okay, that's going on now. So that's always fun. But it's okay. so weird. That's happened so much in the course yeah. of this show is as you're watching something on the network, you're like, wait, this was also happening at the same time? <laughs> well, when you're when you're 100 episodes in, it's going to mm-hmm. start, and most of those are over the last 25 years. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to start overlapping at some point. But um, anyway, all right. So the Ministry of Darkness, Harris, is in full swing right now. Oh, boy. All right. All right. They're terrorizing Vince McMahon's corporation. Mm-hmm. Undertaker has been saying that he is uh, taking orders from a greater power, and uh, someone, and also, and he's someone who knew the key to Vince's heart and soul. Uh, Undertaker is planning on ruling the uh, WWF, so that that that's that's going on at the moment. We're gonna start in March now. And uh, we're just a couple weeks away from WrestleMania 15. Undertaker is scheduled to take on Big Boss Man in a Hell in a Cell match. (laughs) I'm telling you, there's at least three episodes that are going on at the same time. Um, So the Ministry and Corporation, they're they're in a heated feud going on right now. And Undertaker is about to go even further with this feud. Because on this episode of Raw is War, Shane McMahon is wrestling with Vince or is wrestling, and Vince is on commentary. And after Shane wins the match, 
uh, and as or, uh, Shane wins and he and Vince are leaving, well, up on the Titantron, we see Vince's front door and we hear the Undertaker. And he says that when she comes home, he will be waiting. And then you see the whole ministry walk into view and head towards the house and just surround it. And Vince is, uh, Vince is shook at this. Uh, Vince and Shane are backstage then trying to call the cops, but the cops think it's just part of the show. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so Vince is like calling and they're like, no, we're watching the show. Like it's, it's part of the show. And he keeps that's, telling Shane, he's like, they won't believe me. Like they won't. That's so good. They're like, no, wrestling's fake. I know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny. And then apparently, uh, so we throughout the show, we're cutting back and ministry is still at Vince's house. Undertaker keeps cutting promos saying he's going to do what he has to do. Eventually, Vince gets the police to go and check. But when they call back, apparently they didn't see anyone at Vince's house. They're like, nobody's here. What is what is going on? Like, Oh, they were is... scared of the Undertaker. That's where I thought you were going with that for a second. I, I thought I the cops were going to be like, no, 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 no. We're not dealing with that. But that this is also pretty good. That would have been like, funnier. The, doesn't look like anything to me. It's, and it's... then, of course, immediately Undertaker calls Vince back and and or, or you see him back like the video back there and Undertaker's like, oh, you think the cops would be able to see us? You know, that whole thing. And we're still here. And then it pulls back and you see the Undertaker symbol just burning, like just on fire in Vince's yard. But they left. So I don't know why they left. Like the cops didn't even see him. They were in the clear. They could have stayed and done whatever. The show is taking place in California. And this is at Vince's house back in Connecticut. That's part of like the why Vince is so flustered. But they didn't even right. do anything. They just left a burning logo and left. Like It's all about oh. that psychological warfare, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, just keep that in mind because <laughs> this whole angle is just the perfect example of everything being a complete waste. So that's a, that's a good thing to think of. So now we go to WrestleMania 15. Undertaker defeats Boss Man in the Hell in a Cell. And afterwards is when it really kicks up because the brood come dropping down from the rafters. They throw yep. a noose down into the cell yep. and Undertaker hangs Big Boss Man. Now, we've talked about this before because, again, this is leading up to another story that we've done an episode on. Uh, but, yeah, Boss Man is hung after a wrestling match. Literally, like, 10 feet above the ring. He is hanging from his neck. Now, there, there's definitely a hook on boss man's vest that it's attached to obviously because right. he would be dead but it's still pretty gnarly looking and and he just goes limp at one point it's just hanging there and undertaker's like yeah. knocking his feet and you're like jeez like, well, like he's the funniest dead. part about this is this is not like the end of a show or like some crazy no, like hell in like a cell pitch it's in the middle of wrestlemania so they have to go from that to you know Whatever's i don't know next. what's exactly I don't remember. Right. You know, just imagine the celebrity guest or whatever. Like, and now it's Pitbull or like whoever, you know, <laughs> you got to make that transition at your biggest show of the year in what is, you know, ostensibly like there are kids watching. Yeah. We're like, is that guy dead? Because like, this is a total sidebar. But when people die in wrestling matches, which we've it's usually about something super over the top, like they get buried alive or buried in cement or banished into the puppet dimension. They don't get like shot. Right. Hanged. Like ways people actually die in real life. Right. It was weird. That's not even what the episode's about. No, I know. Um, <laughs> this is, and you know, this is a very historic WrestleMania 
uh, Harris, I mean, a lot of stuff happened at this WrestleMania 15. You know, like Pete Rose dressed up as a chicken. Heck yeah. Uh, yeah, check that episode out. Um, again, I'm telling you, at least four episodes will be referenced in, in things that are going on. But anyway, all right, so next night on Raw, we see Vince backstage. He's in his office with his crew, and included kind of in the group of people is Stephanie McMahon. Now, this doesn't seem that weird. It's like, of course, Stephanie's there. She's always there. But sure. this is the first time we've seen Stephanie McMahon in the WWF. Now, she might have done like a one-off or something. She might have. I'm sure she's appeared at some point. But as hmm. far as her being like a main character, this is really the debut of Stephanie McMahon in the WWE or huh. WWF. Um, so, of course, all right. So the ministry comes down. They come down to the ring during Sable's match, and Undertaker, like, grabs Sable by the throat, force her down, and Undertaker says, he tells Vince to come out here before he snaps Sable like a twig, and he, he says something about her being his meal ticket or something. It's very strange and doesn't really make any sense. I didn't go back before this too far, so... <laughs> I'm, I know at one point Vince just be, became with Sable, but I thought that was like in 2001. So anyway, um, anyway, so Vince comes out quickly and and uh, he comes out and literally stands there for like a second, looks around and then yells Stephanie and bolts back to his office. Undertaker did not <laughs> say anything. Nobody moved. <laughs> nothing happened. He just like has this epiphany and bolts back to the office and stephanie is gone and vince is just going nuts again i have no idea how vince knew this was happening um well he the, just figured it out the oh, announcers try and like explain it because they're like oh the acolytes weren't in the ring and they're mm. a part of the ministry so vince must yeah. have realized but it's like they didn't even give it enough time for him to like do that. anyway it was it was kind of bizarre again that's one of those things nuance in wrestling doesn't really work Right. A lot of times. That sounds which, like a super interesting idea, but right. like when you're not shooting it like a movie or a TV show. And you, you can't, can't like zoom in angles. and see them realize it. And, you know, you right. can't tell those type of stories very effectively in wrestling, which is what Bischoff says all the time. And this is definitely an example of that where it just doesn't quite translate. Um, so it just looks bizarre. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Vince is gone uh, again. And then and then it just like cuts to a commercial and you come. I don't know what happened to Sable. Like, she was just being <laughs> strangled by The Undertaker in the ring. And then you come back and another match is, like, starting. And you're like, uh, did he just let her go? Did he kill her and hide the body? I don't know what's going on. Never um, know. But anyway, so Vince is going crazy trying to get people to help him find Stephanie. And he ends up going to Ken Sh Shamrock and asking him to help him find her. And this is going on throughout the whole show, just uh, back and forth in between matches and stuff. Vince is just crying and moaning a lot about his daughter, and Shamrock mm -hmm. is going around looking for Stephanie. Uh, eventually, Shamrock has a match with Christian, who's part of the ministry with the brood, and he ends up getting him in an ankle lock and is torturing him to find information, which works great because he's in the wrestling match where you're already trying to win, and he's using that as a way to interrogate him. Um and so Christian eventually is yelling that she's in the basement. So Shamrock goes out and he's going down and he goes into the basement and into the into the boiler room and and he finds her sitting there, uh, just crying. And she has the Undertaker symbol like in like I don't know paint or something on on her forehead. 
And the McMahons, they're, they're back. They're reunited. Vince is so relieved. And, you know, happy, happy ending here. <clears throat> so the next week, Ministry comes out. Undertaker announces that there is going to be a sacrifice. And a young woman will be taken from her family mm-hmm. and become one with the Ministry. Great. And she will break her father's heart by accepting the Undertaker as her Lord and Savior. As <laughs> as, as the Lord, because he's, he's known as the Lord of Darkness. Um, right. So the whole taker ministry taker is a lot of fun because this is when he just went like full blown satanic. Oh, yeah. Weirdly. Yeah. Like the undertaker symbol sort of looks like a cross or like an Mm -hmm. inverted cross, like some sort of pagan symbolism, just full blown like witchcraft kind of stuff. It's super weird. Oh, yeah. It gets much worse. Um, (laughs) So the whole show, Vince is just going crazy trying to keep Stephanie safe. He's got like cops there and, you know, all that stuff. So. Later, the Ministry kidnaps Shamrock as he's... I don't remember why. Again, I, I've tried to get through this as fast as possible because there's so much stuff. And half of the instances are literally like a two-second clip after another match. So mm-hmm. they're not even labeled. So I'll go mm-hmm. to like the next segment and then they'll be like, Oh, and this happened earlier. I was like, what? When did this happen? And then I have to go and like <laughs> find where it was. So that was, that was fun. But anyway, Shamrock gets kidnapped by the Ministry. And uh, the Ministry then comes out and they bring out this hooded figure this tied up hooded figure and they tie them to the undertaker logo. And the whole time they're making it seem like it was Stephanie. Cause earlier there was a moment right. where like in Vince's office, the lights go out and, and then it goes to commercial and you never go back to it. So, you know, the announcers are like, Oh, is this Stephanie? And that and we're making it seem like that. Um, but it's actually just this random woman. Like, no one knows who she is. Like, they just take the hood off and, and you know, JR, <laughs> Lawler's like, who is that? Do we know who this is? You know, this they're not sure who it is. Uh, backstage, we then see Vince and Stephanie watching on in horror, just in their same office. And Undertaker says that he looks at this woman and he sees Stephanie because he couldn't get Stephanie this time. But everything he's doing is what he wants to do to Stephanie. And uh, the woman is then identified by Jerry Lawler as Ryan Shamrock, which is Ken's, Ken Shamrock's sister. So that's who they've gotten. I didn't even know if she's a character around. I don't know why she was here. Um, I don't I, I, I don't know. Um, did they go to his house and take I, – I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, anyway, so they, they tie her to the Undertaker logo, and then the logo is lifted into the air, crucifying her up over the stage. And Undertaker starts like chanting in another language as as all this is happening. So it's you know it's very creepy and very bizarre, um, definitely not normal. And uh, so the next week, Shane does not. Well, but so they don't. Hang on, I just want to be clear. Pretty that sure that like... was the end of the show. Great. <laughs> yeah. So forget about Sable. Is this woman dead? Did uh, that uh, kill her? Uh, hey, well, well, you gotta wait till next week, Harris. Um. So the next week. We don't start with with that exactly. It's kind of more about the Stephanie thing. And uh, Shane is not happy with the way Vince has been handling things with the corporation because Vince basically has not cared because he's just cared about Stephanie this whole time. Right. That makes sense. Um, so v- basically Shane takes control of the corporation. He's like, I'm, I'm running this now. Uh, Vince and Stephanie leave the building. Undertaker makes an appearance on the Titantron again, and he says that one day Stephanie will be his, but today another innocent victim will be sacrificed, and it's all Vince's fault. Everything that's happening is Vince's fault. 
So later we see Ken Shamrock like barraging, you know, just going crazy through the uh, building, and he ends up finding his sister in another boiler room. So apparently <laughs> these people have only seen Nightmare on Elm Street, and that's the only movie they know, and that's just what they're doing everything from. Uh, she's like horrified, obviously, and sure. in this boiler room, but but she seems fine now. Harris, the whole point of these sacrifices was to turn the individual into members of the ministry, like effectively sure. warping their mind. This, the, mm-hmm. you know, this ritual, you know, blackens their mind or whatever, and it turns them, it, it, you know, turns them into darkness and part of the ministry. That right. was what kind of what was implied. But instead, just seems like nothing happens. Like they just they're just freaked out as you would be if you were hung up on an Undertaker logo. But she's fine. She's not a part of the ministry. She's not brainwashed. She's not anything. They just let her go and she's fine. So that's a little weird. Um. So later we see Undertaker has now taken Ken Shamrock again. So again they had I thought they had kidnapped Ken Shamrock earlier, but I guess they're doing it now. Anyway, um, they've, they've taken Ken Shamrock and they're going to, they see him backstage. They have him tied up and stuff. And Undertaker saying he's going to torture him and sacrifice him again. Sounds very, it doesn't sound good. Um, they do the same thing with Shamrock. They bring him out. They tie him to his logo, Undertaker's logo onto the stage, just like the week before. But then Undertaker turns and grabs Christian by the throat, throat throws him down and tells the others to tie him up to a logo. There just happens to be another one out there too. It's and a decoy so, logo. I guess. So, you know, because he's mad at Christian for giving up the location uh, of Stephanie two, uh, two weeks ago. So he's wanting them to punish Christian, but, and he actually punished him the week before. I think he f- had him whipped the week before also. But anyway, the brood is not having it so they've had enough and they rebel on the ministry and and try and save christian mankind comes out to help also because he's not happy with ministry and in the commotion ken shamrock's able to untie himself and he then joins into the attack undertaker then literally walks up the side of the stage and just like descends into the stage while the commotion is <laughs> going on so that was actually that was actually pretty cool um so later ken shamrock comes back out to the ring and he challenges undertaker because obviously it makes sense. He just had his sister get sacrificed and he was almost sacrificed. So mm-hmm. the lights go out. Undertaker appears behind him and they go at it. But then the ministry comes out and they beat down Shamrock. Uh, you know, so he's just laid out and, you know, he can't take all of them. This is also the episode with Austin and Rock on the bridge when Austin is thrown into the water and then Rock throws the belt into the water. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. That's going on right now. Um, we're going to skip ahead a couple of weeks to Backlash, next pay-per-view. Undertaker talks to the Ministry about the higher power, the, the, the greater power, and there will be a tragedy tonight. That's what he says, too. Undertaker <sighs> is battling Ken Shamrock. Undertaker beats Shamrock with help from Bradshaw. Again, I'm going to talk about no matches, pretty much, in this whole thing, uh, for the most part. Because uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um... So Undertaker gets help with Bradshaw. Bradshaw comes out, chokes out Shamrock with the baseball bat and all that stuff. Beat him down more, whatever. 
Uh, we see Vince and Stephanie leaving the arena backstage. Vince puts Stephanie into the limo and tells the cops that he will be back when the main event's over because we have Austin Rock um, for the title. After the match, we see Stephanie in the car talking with the cops waiting on Vince. Here comes the ministry out of the building. Cops yell for the car to take off and the car drives off. Stephanie's yelling at the car to stop and wait on her father. The limo window, interior window rolls down and who is it? But the Undertaker driving, and he says, where to, Stephanie? She screams, into the show. So that's a pretty strong ending to the pay-per-view right there. That's not bad. Oh, yeah. Not Absolutely. Bad. That's a classic, classic wrestling moment right there. That's Everyone just a classic, the- like, movie moment. Like, right. like, storytelling moment. And it works. It works. There's a reason why it's a classic, because it's good. So, you know, he, he did it. He made good on his word, and he has kidnapped Stephanie McMahon. Now we're getting to the show, which was the whole reason I started doing this topic. Mm-hmm. It's the next night on Raw. Vince and his team, they're going crazy trying to figure out what to do. Vince won't let him call the cops. He says he's done everything Undertaker has asked. He's ready to, to give him a bunch of the, like the company and everything, and he's going to do whatever, under, whatever Undertaker wants to get Stephanie back. He gets a call from The Undertaker. And uh, Vince says he has everything Undertaker asked for. The controlling interest in the company is signed. It's ready. He's, he just wants Stephanie. Undertaker says he'll return her, but he has his own conditions. Uh, he'll return her once he has the documents. And also, uh, uh, and he also says if he messes up, though, he'll never see her again. Vince starts to get angry and threaten Undertaker. But Undertaker cuts him off and he asks if there's any- if that's any way to talk to his daughter's soulmate. So that's a great thing to say. Um, Mm -hmm. Undertaker gives his instructions and part of his instructions are to have Stone Cold bring the documents. Now, if any of you have been following, uh, Vince can't exactly like ask Stone Cold to do anything for him. (laughs) So... It's kind of a major theme of their relationship. Yeah. Yeah, a little, little bit. So that's probably not going to go well. And, of course, it doesn't. So, you know, so now Vince says he's going to go do it himself because he has a time limit and, you know, Austin's not going to do it. Um, The next segment, Harris, the first beaver cleavage little vignette. Oh, word. Again, so that's now episode number two. We already had Boss Man getting hanged. Right now, Boss Man and Big Show's thing is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we got beaver cleavage going on. I'm pretty sure the kennel from hell thing happens later this year on SmackDown. Cause this is the year SmackDown starts. Yeah. Um, anyway, again, we got a lot of stuff. So yeah. So as I'm going through this, I saw a bunch of beaver cleavage little segments and I'm like, Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check those episodes out if you dare. Um, all right. So we cut back periodically to Vince waiting in a parking garage for the Undertaker who hasn't shown up yet. It's now past the deadline. Undertaker still isn't there, and Vince is starting to get – he's not happy about it. And we see now backstage, we see the Ministry dragging a hysterical Stephanie towards the ring. So here they come out with Stephanie. The Ministry, they're literally carrying her out on the logo. She's already tied up to an Undertaker logo. And they are—they have like druids out there, and they're carrying her to the ring. So clearly, Undertaker was not meeting Vince. She's not happy, to say the least. Um, and to be honest, as 
completely absurd as this whole thing is, it's still pretty distressing. Like, you have all these demon-looking people dragging out this woman tied up basically to a cross. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty weird. Um, and again, remember, this is like the first thing Stephanie has like really done in the company. Like at this point, she's just like the young daughter of Vince. Like she's not, right. you know, she's not the worst Stephanie person McMahon. ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, so that's another thing to think of. I, yeah, I know this story. I've never, like, I haven't sat down and watched the whole arc, but I know where we're going with this. And that's always been lost on me because I see, oh yeah, Stephanie McMahon, but like, we all know Steph. Right. And how she's just the worst, which is, you know, her job. But it is funny to think about, like, this is all people, people just knew her and they're like, oh, this girl seems nice and she's cute, you know, and she's not like her dad and I feel bad for her. Like, that was real. Mm -hmm. That's very funny. It's also like the only, it's definitely, it's a weird degree of intensity, kind of like I was just talking about, like Undertaker isn't just vaguely like this cool undead cowboy. He's just straight up demonic. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. It would, I think it would be a little more intense if he hadn't done this to people two or three times with no like serious repercussions Mm -hmm. but yeah no it's it's a weird degree of intensity for sure that's my biggest thing is again they they really undercut this whole thing with the previous ones because nothing happened well well ken shamrock got away from his but it did nothing happened with ryan shamrock like they should have had her like join the ministry as like a brainwashed you know right whatever like that would have made a lot more sense uh, and been a lot more ominous especially like oh stephanie is gonna be brainwashed to you know be like that would make a lot more sense but they kind of undercut that already um so anyway they bring her into the ring they prop her up on the ropes and uh taker has the he has the mic and i i love how taker never holds the mic ever paul bear always holds it for him as he talks, hmm. which I think is a good good touch. Uh, and Taker is saying he's not to blame for all this. This is all on Vince because Vince didn't honor the agreement because Austin was not the one to deliver the documents. Great. Uh, so it's time for the – and then he says it's time for the ceremony to begin. So all the announcers, they're like, wait, what? What, 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 what is he talking about? So Paul Bear opens up a book and begins with, Dearly and Beloved, we gather oh – here this evening to join Stephanie Marie McMahon in the unholy wedlock with the Lord of Darkness. Yeah. Surprise wrestling wedding, you guys. Yeah. I wish we could say that this is the only time this has happened. And I also wish this is I would I also wish we could say this is the only time it's happened with Stephanie McMahon. And I also <laughs> wish we could say it's the only time it's happened with Stephanie McMahon to someone related to The Undertaker, but that all those are false. Yep. All those are false. It's happened a lot. Shocking it's happened a lot. It has happened many, many, many times. Um so he continues to perform this wedding ceremony. Stephanie is screaming in protest the whole time as he reads. She's screaming, no, she won't accept it, anything that he says. And then Ken Shamrock comes down to help, and he's immediately destroyed by the ministry because they're all there. You got the acolytes, you have Viscera, you know, they're, they're all there. Beat him down and throw him out of the ring. And then they just, they're going to go and continue with the ceremony. 
Um, the ceremony, you know, just keeps going. Und Undertaker is just, he's great during this whole thing because he's just staring at her and like occasionally like stroking and caressing her face. It is, it is disturbing as he could possibly be. Um, and Paul Bear keeps reading and now Big Show comes down and he fares a little bit better, but, uh, more than Shamrock, but he's eventually just clocked by the Undertaker with a bat that Shamrock had brought down earlier. And, you know, he's thrown out, and ceremony continues again. So they will not be deterred. Paul Bearer completes the ceremony. He tells Undertaker he can now kiss the bride. Glass shatters. Crowd goes bonkers. And here comes Stone Cold. The rattlesnake himself comes out, just takes everyone out. Mm -hmm. Takes everyone out clobbers the undertaker stunners he hits stunners chair shots everything to through everybody unties stephanie and he has saved the day now harris this makes no sense at all really why any of this is happening much less why stone cold has anything to do with any of this really doesn't make any sense but i'm not gonna lie it was a pretty cool moment not not yep. gonna lie Dude, any any of those runs because it's happened a couple of times where the glass shatters, the crowd goes bananas, and Stone Cold Stone Cold comes in and just wrecks everybody. Yeah, fantastic. It's pretty. It's, just it's great. pretty good. It is pretty. Even good. if you're right, like from a character perspective, this doesn't make a ton of sense, or I presumably hadn't really been. What the, they're just harping on the fact that he did it. He didn't do it for Vince. He did it because it was the right thing to do. It's right, like, and that, that makes that's, sense. But that's I not just, even his character, really. So that's but you could you know you could have had one or two like scenes before that that established it was a possibility. But again, yeah. wrestling and subtlety not really. No, um, not really. Friends. And and to be honest, I was going to talk about this after the show, but might as well talk about it now or after this part. The WWF. During the Attitude Era, for as memorable as a bunch of stuff is, we've talked about this before. The majority of it's pretty horrible. Mm -hmm. It's it's just like the handful of main event scenes are really good, um, mm -hmm. and some of those feuds are really good. But half the Attitude Era was just a terrible angle with horrible writing that they just throw Stone Cold into because it's so bad. That's all they can do. And that, this well, is one of these angles. I'm just going <laughs> to say that right now. This is like the poster child for that happening, which happened a ton throughout the Attitude Era, where it's just this whatever angle, and then, oh, let's throw Stone Cold in there, crowd, wah, and now we don't have to worry about it. Because that's just how huge Stone Cold is right now. That they, he can literally make anything over just because he's there, no matter how stupid the story is. Um, then anyway... So, under or, uh, Stone Cold saves the day. We're now heading to the first ever episode of SmackDown. Now, which is weird because they did one episode of SmackDown, and then they didn't do it again for, like, four months, which is really strange. The first episode <laughs> is in April, and then they didn't, or, uh, yeah, it's at the end of April, and then I don't think they started regular shows till August. So, it's 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 weird. But, that is um, weird. At least on the network, that's the way it is. There's this one episode in April, and then the, there's not more till um, August. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, it's the first episode of SmackDown. There's a new twist. Actually, I think they did it as a one-off, and then they made it a regular show. It doesn't matter. But um, uh, there's a new twist now, because Shane and the corporation have now joined with the Ministry. So Shane has just gone full rogue on the rest of the McMahons. 
taking the corporation, join with the ministry, and they are now the corporate ministry. I think this <laughs> I think this was a missed opportunity because I think the Corporation of Darkness is a much better name. Just, it just is, personally. but that's sort of clever, and we can't have any of that. That's always <laughs> cracked me up. That like you know you know about wrestling history and there was the corporation and then there was the ministry of darkness and when they when they joined forces they're the corporate ministry what else are you going to call them like it's just corporation of darkness that sounds so much cooler but anyway <sighs> anyway so the main event is triple h and undertaker versus rock and austin the whole thing is shane's like oh rock and austin hate each other so they're going to have to tag they won't be able to take this tag team um all, oh yeah Rock was part of the corporation, but was kicked out like a couple weeks ago. Again, that I wasn't following that, so I don't know why. But um, so Vince ends up coming out during the match and helps Austin. He clocks Shane, and then takes a chair and goes into the ring uh, to help Austin. Undertaker takes the chair and is going to use it on Austin, but then Vince like grabs it to take it away, and so Undertaker just turns around and just absolutely obliterates Vince. With a chair shot to the head. I mean, this is a textbook, mm. unprotected, just bam, right to the head, yeah. where you like flinch when he hits when he hits him with it. Like it is, mm. it's a good one. Um, Austin then gets up and stuns Undertaker, and so and Shane then at this point the match is thrown out. I don't know which point during this the match <laughs> thrown out, but it's been thrown out. Um, Shane comes back into the ring and he starts raining blows on Vince. And Austin then picks Shane up and stuns him. So, you know, typical. Uh, and so this would start a run of dominance, though, for the corporate ministry. And we're going to skip ahead a few weeks because they pretty much just dominate stuff for several weeks. And now we go to the next pay-per-view, the Over the Edge pay-per-view. Undertaker is set to take on Stone Cold for the title with Shane and Vince as co-referees. <laughs> sure. Yeah, exactly. What could go wrong? Well, as most of you guys know, this was the very unfortunate show where Owen Hart accidentally fell from the rafters and ended up ended up dying in the uh, in the ring. So it's a very odd show with the way it's put out because they obviously cut anything related to that out. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the broadcasters announced all that's just cut out of it. But the show continued because that happened earlier in the show. And it did continue, and uh, so we go to the main event, and it was a uh, screwy main event. Undertaker would win the match and the title, thanks to help from Shane being the screwy referee, because the story was Vince was supposed to be one of the refs, but on heat before the pay-per-view, he gets like beat up and hurt, like so he had to go to the hospital like for his leg, and so at the end though during the match. He comes limping out at one point, so we get like dueling refs for a while with him and Shane. But eventually, Shane just fast counts, uh, and uh, fast counts when Undertaker tries to pin Austin, and then that's it; it's over, and Undertaker's the champ. Screwy finish. Uh, we gotta wait two weeks for the next show because the next night on Raw is the Owen Hart tribute show, so nothing story-wise really happens um, on that episode of Raw. Uh, so then the following week. Well, we are apparently going to meet the greater power. Uh, Undertaker continues to talk about it. He just he's talked about it for months. So out comes the corporate ministry with druids. They're carrying 
the Undertaker's logo to the ring. Shane comes out. Massive heat for Shane. Massive heat right now for Shane McMahon. Uh, Shane and Undertaker both cut promos. Vince then comes out to a cheer. It's so weird. It's so weird to see. It's like Vince comes out and they're like, ah! And you're like, oh my gosh, what Twilight Zone world are we living in? But, but... I will. It, it makes sense because he's been through so much and you empathize sure, with him. Sure, sure, sure. Because of how far The Undertaker and this mysterious higher power have just pushed him to his breaking point. Right. It's really a great job because they get Vince McMahon over as a baby face. And, you know, I know. how could you possibly screw that up? They, they, it's, it's, you know, it, you would, yeah, it's pretty much impossible. <laughs> At this yep. point, it takes, it, it's going to take some, you know, insane effort to, 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 to mess that up. Right. And I'm sure whoever is revealed to be the higher power is going to have a really great feud with this new babyface Vince McMahon because he'll have so much heat built in, you know? Yeah, it'll be a great, great angle. Yeah. All right. So Vince comes out and says that he is going to screw The Undertaker over tonight. And um, he's going to go against – Undertaker is going to go against Stone Cold. Crowd, wah, yay. Vincent says that he will also – take on the undertaker because he wants to get some of him and then shane says if vince wins then the match will be between uh undertaker and stone cold will be a title match but if there's any interference then it'll negate the offer so now there's a little bit more stakes going on later in the show time for vince versus the undertaker while beating up vince mcmahon undertaker gets a little too carried away and ends up shoving the referee down and gets himself disqualified. Just can't, can't, can't touch the referee unless it's sure. by accident, which this seems to be by accident. But you know, sometimes it doesn't count. Um, so Austin is going to get a title match in the main event, thanks to Vince McMahon. Again, who would have ever seen that coming? So Shane is mad, and he's just trashing the backstage area, of course, because that plan backfired. Uh, later backstage, you see Undertaker vowing that he will not fail the greater power. Uh, there's a little segment right before the match starts of him doing that. Um, the match happens. It's a pretty good match between the two. Pretty brutal match. A hard hitting. At one point, Austin hits a stunner on Taker, but before the ref can count three, Paul Bear pulls him out. So, like, one, two, boom, like, and then the rest of corporate ministry comes out. They just obliterate Austin. And he ends up winning. They, you know, gets they get DQ'd, and so Austin wins. But obviously, Undertaker holds on to the title. It's actually a lot of this stuff with with this with Austin and has been actually done pretty well with him getting screwed over constantly because it is very frustrating. And it's a uh, it's wrestling wrestling 101, and they're doing it pretty well. At least that part, that part of this for sure. Uh, so anyway, the whole ministry of beating up Austin, they tie his arms in the ropes, Undertaker then stops abruptly, he kneels down, the lights go out, this like chanting music starts playing as the Undertaker is summoning the greater power. A hooded figure comes out, walks down the ramp, the announcers all think it's Shane, and the, uh, Which, hang on, let's, let's unplug that for a second. How lame would that be? You know, like if the big reveal yeah, was yeah. a character that had been involved in the story the entire time. That doesn't make any sense. I know, right? It it really it really wouldn't. Um, so hopefully that doesn't happen. Uh, 
So the greater power steps into the ring and Undertaker gestures over to Austin, like as an offering to him. He then puts his hooded face right to Austin and then reveals it briefly, but only to Austin. And Austin just goes berserk and that's how the show ends. So <laughs> the show literally ends with who is it's literally JR going, who is the higher power? And that oh, no, boy. who is the greater power? That's the other thing I got to talk about. The big question is uh, actually, hang on, I'm going to talk about this once I get to a different part coming up here. All right. So the next week, the big question, who's greater power? Who's greater power? Who's, you know, that big cliffhanger ending. Vince comes out and challenges Shane to a match later tonight. As he thinks that Shane is the greater power, so he's basically accusing him as that. Shane comes out, accepts the challenge, but he says that he is not, in fact, the greater power. Okay. He does say, however, that he will bring Undertaker out and reveal the greater power to everyone. It's time to find out. Corporate Ministry comes out. Undertaker comes out with him, speaks, tells everyone how he's been serving this greater power for months and today is the day of reckoning. Finally. And he says, here he comes, the higher power. Now, this is where I want to stop it. This is so confusing, Harris, because on every single broadcast, until that exact moment, they have called him the greater power. Every single thing has said greater power, not higher power. It's always greater power, greater power, greater power. It has gone so far as JR has accidentally said higher power a couple of times and been corrected by Jerry Lawler to greater power. But everyone thinks of this as the higher power. Even on the WWE Network, it is labeled as higher power. But until The Undertaker just now... At the end reveal thing, said higher power, it has been referred to as the greater power. So I don't know if Undertaker said the wrong thing here and they just went with it, or if they changed the name before this segment, but I know that's not true because then later on, or because earlier in the show, Shane and the announcing team were saying greater power. Later, when Shane comes out, he is saying greater power after this. The only time it is ever referred to as higher power other than by accident by JR, is right then when Undertaker says the higher power. I'm really glad you addressed this because I was just wondering, is Mark misspeaking? But I didn't want to say anything because I was like, well, either he's going to get to it Mm -hmm. or I I thought you were just wrong because I've always heard of it as the higher power. And it might just be biased, but that sounds way – like it sounds like that makes more sense. Yeah, I agree. Than the greater power. I totally so maybe that's agree. why they went with it, but it is very weird that they went with that for so long. No, it, when that's not that's like the you know the Mandela. Effect. No, it's not like, even it's not even so long. Like it is never referred to as the higher power, other than that one time that Undertaker says it. Like even right. coming up later, they're still saying greater power, even after that moment. Like it is very weird how it's all known as higher power now when it never actually was higher power. Very strange, very strange. So that really, I, I I found that very very weird going through this. Um, anyway, so here he comes, the greater power, higher power, whatever you want to call him. Um, lights go out, ominous chanting again. Hooded figure walks to the ring. Now, I just made one interjection, and I got to make another interjection before getting to Great. this. 
Because by far the craziest thing about this whole story is the fact that obviously what ends up happening is not was not the original plan for this. Mm-hmm. The original idea from Vince Russo was for the greater power to be the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. But apparently Vince took a look at him and said he's too small and just threw him out literally that fast. Mm. And uh, not only did Christopher Daniels not get to do this angle, he then was never even signed by WWF. And um, because Daniels had been tearing up the indies in California and in the area for several years with this really cool fallen angel gimmick. And a lot of people in the office were big fans of him. Obviously, Russo mm-hmm. loved him. Uh, Pritchard loved him. All that stuff. But literally, Vince is the only one that matters. And thanks to his yep. stupidity, he literally never even gave him a shot. Of course, he's been one of the you know one of the legends of the past twenty years. Um, and so anyway, so back to the reveal, because Vince had a much better idea than that. We're getting to that. Much, mm-hmm. much, much better. We couldn't be you know we couldn't have wasted this angle with Christopher Daniels. We, you know, the greater things to happen. Um, so the uh, the greater power takes the mic, and the voice that comes out is Shane's. So that throws everyone off, but then Shane walks out from the back. <laughs> and the announcer's like, that's what? what? We all thought it was him. What? Who that's, is this? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, and he says, and again, he says greater power, not higher power. He says <laughs> that the greater power is omniscient. And he's cold and calculated. He's a mastermind of screwing with people's minds. whole bunch of other random crap just to waste time. <laughs> it's literally him just wasting time saying all this random stuff. Uh, and he's, again, he's still saying greater power. So I think Undertaker just screwed it up. And they're like, you know what? That sounds better. That's what we're going to say from now on. Um, so he walks into the ring. And he is just drawing it out. Like, there, there's like... Even a moment where he's like, all right, and now let's reveal him. But before that, like, I swear he is, like, doing it as long as possible. Kind of like me with this. And um, so anyway, (laughs) he then turns and says he wants Vince to come down here and he will let him reveal who the greater power is. So Vince appears on the Titan Tron and he says that he is close enough right where he is. He says he wants to see his face now. So the hood comes Which, off. Hang on, pause, pause. Let me just interrupt you for a second. Good on Vince. Again, babyface Vince is no dummy. He's like, I'm not going to come down there so you guys can just beat me right. up again. I'm going to stay right here. Thank you very much. Again, right. great, great stand-up guy, Vince McMahon, at this point. It's yeah. weird, but good for him. So uh, the hood comes off. And Harris, it's one. It's the one and only Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And what does he say, Yay. Mark? Um, he, of course, says the now famous words. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. Damn, I cannot believe he's... Yay. And uh, he, he did all of this to teach Austin a lesson. The crowd goes mild i think is the best way (laughs) the best way to describe this harris with literally within two seconds it has become the most unnecessary angle in history yep and a complete 
waste. And and look, okay, th there's been more unnecessary stuff technically, but I'm I'm talking as far as like this like three month long build up with mm -hmm. all this stuff and something that's actually fairly interesting in kind of mm -hmm. a dumb and weird way. Yep. With a lot of major major players in it. Yep. And has been the main event of several things over yep. the past several months. And and this is something that like I don't tend to think about, so I'm glad you pointed this out and I kind of seized on it. There's been some really good character development here there on has. the part of Vince McMahon. Undertaker's a good like, character. Vince, yeah, is, Vince like, as a babyface is weird and believable. Right. Like this is really interesting. It's over the top, but it's character-driven storytelling. And they just went and just threw it all out. It's yeah. incredible. And like even even with bad reveals, you usually get crowd to pop for, you know, returns, surprises. The crowd sure. usually pops. Sure. And now okay, I will say There is no pop, Harris. None. Like not even like a oh, it's vent like there is no right. reaction. Well like okay, here's the one thing I will say. Like it would have been hard to get a huge pop if it was like Christopher Daniels because yes, I'm glad especially you back that, then, like not that many people too. would have known who he was, right? You right. need to have some element of recognition, but it needs to be recognition and excitement in yep. one way or another, right? Like I think of when DDP was debuted in WWE a few years later. Yeah, It wasn't like a good run that he had. It was really. The story it he was, was in, it didn't really work. But the moment where he rips off his ski mask and reveals that he's DDP and the crowd goes nuts – that's really cool because they know who he is. Right. You have to know who the reveal is and be excited about it, not know who the reveal is and then go, oh. Yeah. Which so WWE wasted all of our is time. probably the best of all time at, at those type of things. <laughs> it, at, uh, oh, that, that's a very common reaction with many WWE oh, storylines. Um yeah, uh, everything like all the buildup was again. It was pretty good, pretty interesting. Even even the dumb stuff is fairly interesting. Uh, and now not not a single part of it makes any sense whatsoever, <laughs> or, or any payoff. Like not one element, not one thing. Um, every single well, person involved looks dumb, and there's <laughs> nowhere to go. Like, and that's Vince is like in there going like, oh, I fooled you. I fooled my whole family. I fooled all this, and it's like. Well, yeah, because you didn't know. Like, <laughs> right, of, of exactly. course, because because the, there's not one world. There's not even a way to possibly spin this. The only thing he can say is, I wanted to teach you a lesson, Austin. It's like, this, nothing makes sense. <laughs> you had your own daughter kidnapped. And, and so then, of course, Linda and Stephanie come like out on the ramp and are just in shock <laughs> mad at him and then Linda Lin, and then they try and salvage the end again Harris remember okay let's let's rewind it a little bit yeah from John Cena from 2001 um do you remember what I was saying earlier about the way Stone Cold was used in a lot of these attitude era things yeah I mean it was repeat that it, again what what was I saying? Just that they would have a really crap angle and throw him into it because he was super over and he would make it work. Yeah, remember that. Okay, so Linda and Stephanie come out, and Linda says, you know, you and Shane have been lying this whole time by saying you guys both have the controlling interest in the company. 
Actually, it's split into four <laughs> things. Great. It's between you two, uh, Linda, and I, and the board. I guess I think that was the way it was split. Only, only the McMahons, by the way, could take this insane story of like demonic possession and kidnapping and blood feuds and a massive stupid reveal and immediately turn it into corporate politics <laughs> is the real thing we need to talk about here like immediately yeah, like yeah. this segment doesn't even end no. and she's like actually if you read paragraph 47 like <laughs> incredible you're, you're so right that's a great point um so she says uh well effective earlier i have stepped down as ceo of the company and as you know, I have the right to appoint my successor. And apparently, we're going to have some changes around the office. I'm sure you won't mind, Vince, but the dress code is going to be a little bit lax from what we've had before. And, you know, employees are free to wear kind of whatever they want, you know, like cut-off jean shorts. And Vince is like, oh, what? What's going on? And then, and, you know, another thing we're going to, you know... I think I think profanity should be allowed in the office. You know, if it's warranted, occasion and again, this is like sixty year old Linda McMahon who's saying all this stuff. I think that should be allowed in the office. And another thing, drinking on the job. I think at the end of the day, you should be allowed to just kick back in the office and have an alcoholic beverage. So here comes the new CEO and uh, glass breaks, and here's Stone Cold Steve Austin coming down, wearing a tie. <laughs> so that's pretty good. That's the only part about all this that I liked, because he came out in tie. Okay, and it reminded me, Harris, have you seen Major League? Yeah. The movie Major League, one of the best baseball movies ever. Well, do you remember when they're at that fancy restaurant right after, like, when the season's starting? And it's Tom Berenger, um... Charlie Sheen and then um, uh, oh my gosh Wesley Snipes they're all there and Charlie Sheen has on his like cut off vest and all that stuff but then with a tie on because it's a fancy restaurant and it's it's the house rules and he's just like so mad about it. he's like I look like a banker in this he's so mad that he has a tie on <laughs> that's what this is Stone Cold's out there in his regular cut off shirt and jean shorts and knee braces and in, in a tie and i don't care what he says i don't care what else happens it doesn't matter um other stuff happened but the angle was dead undertaker would lose the title to stone cold at king of the ring and then they would have a rematch at the next pay-per-view fully loaded he would lose that too and that is this very long story of the biggest wasted reveal of definitely the attitude era if not of all time. I mean, because there's plenty of examples of wrestling of disappointing finishes. I mean, yeah. that happens all the time because the whole thing in wrestling is to try and keep something going as long as possible. It's not yeah. usually to, like, have this nice story and then, you know, button it up when it's supposed to be. It's usually just trying to milk it. Right. Which is fine. It, you know, when you have to do a show every single week, every single, like, with no breaks, I mean, I, I get it. But this... If this isn't the biggest waste of all time, it's got to be in the top group of wasted stories ever. And again, it's another example of right at the end. Oh, we failed. So uh, here, Austin, go out there and fix it because people like you. 
I I think this is the Hall of Fame of this is the goat. This is the all time great bad wrestling angle. Not because like there are worse like dumber things. <laughs> yes, we covered a lot of them. There are no. Like, I'm sorry, more... Harris. I disagree. We've already covered the dumbest wrestling angle of all time. It happened in 2007. It had to do with a little person and right, right, other right, stuff. right, right. But here's the thing, like. Here's here's my argument for why it's at least like this is what's in its favor, right? If this is why it's in the top three, and you could argue about it. it, we we've covered things that are dumb, and we've covered things that are offensive, and oftentimes they're both. But like you mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show, we did an episode about a wrestler named Beaver Cleavage that managed to be both <laughs> stupid and offensive. The difference between this angle and Beaver Cleavage is Beaver Cleavage was a terrible, stupid, offensive thing that happened like at the bottom of the card. Right. That like it happened and everyone was immediately like, wow, that's stupid. And then they almost instantly scrapped it. And in character, he was on TV like, boy, that was stupid. Wasn't and then, and then and they then made it even worse. Yes, and then they made it worse. But my point is, <laughs> this was like out. on the periphery of the company, and like Beaver Cleavage was never super over. Yeah. This is one of the worst wrestling stories of all time because for a long time, like they tried, dude. Yeah, they were really they ambitious, and they're like, we're gonna have this crazy, like universe bending, unreal, demonic possessed guy who's here to take control of the company and the villain, the corporate monster that everybody hates. He's actually going to rediscover his humanity and do whatever it takes to bring his world back into some form of order. And he's going to do what he thought he would never do and team up with stone cold and need his help. And it'll work. And we're going to have these great moments and it's over and stone cold is over. And the undertaker is over as this insanely over the top villain. You've got Vince McMahon as a face now that the crowd cheers for. You've got his, daughter this new character stephanie you've got stone cold like the hottest thing in pro wrestling you've got all this stuff going on and they instantly just flushed it all down the toilet yep it's incredible it went from like really over and interesting if a little over the top like this was a primo like grade a main event storyline that they still managed to make incredibly stupid and that's that's incredible a lot of the stuff we cover on this show is like further down the card. It's not involving True. the hottest characters in wrestling at the time. I think that's what makes this so incredible. Like you're right. It does just scream like, well, we can throw Stone Cold out there and it'll work. But that's incredible that something this stupid is happening in the sphere of the most overstar, arguably in the history of professional wrestling. That's incredible. And that's one reason that this is like – so far the worst and it's just like the classic example of a bad wrestling storyline that being said i think maybe not in wwe history but like in terms of comic comic wrestling the 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 best like five second soundbite in wrestling history is vince mcmahon ripping off the mask to say it's me austin it was me all along and then what does JR say? Ah, oh, son of a bitch. Like the perfect, <laughs> the perfect tone that just, you said the crowd goes mild. Yep. This is, we talk about like good announcing a lot. This is the perfect example of announcing saying what everyone at home is thinking. Yep. It's not even anger. Yep. It's not heel heat. It's just, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Like if your car ran out of gas on the side of the highway, that's how he says it. And it's, 
it's one of the most perfect things WWE has ever done. And I don't think they did it on purpose, but it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, that's that's pretty great. <laughs> that That's a great moment. That's a great, great soundbite for sure. Um, yeah, this is just so frustrating. This is why I hate WWE. You know what I do? You know what's the one good thing that came out of this, though, is the uh, the Dark Order angle over the past few months in AEW, where they had Christopher Daniels come out in robes, and everyone Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be him, and and Mm -hmm. they did a big thing where they they teased it for a while. Oh, they found a mask in his bag, and oh, he's being elusive, and oh, he's not coming to help us, and then... Oh, here comes a hooded figure. Oh, it's Christopher Daniels. Comes to the ring. Oh, my gosh. He's a thing. And then he turns on and beats them all up. And it's just like this big this big middle finger to WWE. And I thought that was very funny because just of him who was supposed to be it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. And then, then they did a good job of it because it was actually Brody Lee. So <laughs> Right. Which, again, somebody like the audience recognizes – and right. is excited for it, even if the audience right. couldn't be there in the building. Like, that's how you do the reveal. This is interesting. I'm not sure if you've heard this, but the rumor I always heard was that they wanted it to be Jake the Snake. But that uh, I've heard that's not idea. true. That, 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 really? That's, a, that's okay. a very quickly, when I was looking it up, that's a very quickly dispelled rumor. Interesting. Uh, the okay, only, that's the, where that came heard. from is there was a moment uh, right before the reveal while Vince, while uh, Shane's just spouting off stuff about cold, calculate, all this stuff, and then where Jerry Lawler's like, "What is he talking about, Jake the Snake?" Mm. Uh, and so I think that's where that rumor came from. Gotcha. Is because Jerry Lawler does actually say that right before the reveal. Mm. Uh, it's part of the thing, but uh, well, it know. also stuck, I think, because that would have been awesome. It yes, would have. <laughs> yes, the crowd would have <laughs> recognized him, and it would have been this huge deal. That would have been amazing, but. Uh, you know, but I do agree because when I was thinking about, it, I was like, man, as great and how you know, and with especially with Christopher Daniels' fallen angel gimmick, which was awesome, it would have been perfect. But it, you are right, and I was thinking the same thing where I was like, yeah, but there's no way any of those guys knew, any of the fans knew who Christopher Daniels was, other than the right. you know small group of hardcore fans, which was even smaller then than it is now. Exactly. So that would have been. That would I, I am curious to see how that would have been received. I'll tell you one thing: it would have been better, guaranteed, than right. Uh, well, like, I mean, that, than like, that. that's not an. Obstacle. But also, you All can you do, do that. Is... You can do that a little differently by maybe exactly. not hinging the whole thing on a reveal. Like you can, you can, you know, do the same story and just tailor it a little bit to where you're getting an unknown over more so than just hinging everything on the big reveal at the end so you could have you well, could have done it well right and like it it's not even an obstacle to say oh well people wouldn't have known who he was because all you have to do is sign him yeah debut him like a month beforehand and give him one or two big matches that's yeah. literally all you have to do and then people are like oh it's this guy he's mm-hmm. pretty good like that's it yep or not or you could just do like the one guy in the company that we, we can talk in circles around this, but like the one guy in the company that everyone knows and already hates, that's the thing. We went through all of this story to get back to boy, Austin and McMahon sure don't get along like that. You know, we mm-hmm. we're in the same spot as we started the same spot, except now the undertaker yep. looks like a chump. Yes. That's, that's all that's happened. Yeah. The undertaker looks ridiculous. Oh, the entire ministry looks ridiculous. Not just that the entire corporation 
joined with the ministry, the entire all corporate of them ministry look ridiculous now. So your yep. two biggest factions now are completely wasted. Yep. One of your biggest stars looks like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shane, who's another one of your biggest stars, looks like an idiot. It's like I've ne- yep. I've never seen a single. There, there can't be a greater a greater destructive like five seconds in the history of WWE than than that. Like in that one moment, they just destroy so many things at the exact same time. <laughs> yep. It is truly amazing. It is truly an amazing feat that they were able to do that. And I can't think of an example where more like more stuff has been destroyed in one like moment like that. Yeah. Yeah. Other than if you're if you want to go back to like you know, bash at the beach with Hulk Hogan turning heel, but that was in a good way. But right. as far as like obviously, you know, obviously some a moment like that is bigger and has more implications, but as far as just bad I don't even know if there's one that's this this effective. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's that story. So again, I didn't even set out to go like, oh, I'm going to do the higher power angle. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was literally like, oh, yeah. Undertaker like crucified Stephanie once, didn't he? I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that was part of this thing. Crap. Now that's going to be way and more he, work. Right. <laughs> he, he did it because her father... His boss told him to do it. Right. Right. Just gets worse. (sighs) Like, literally, I I can't even get into it. We'll be here all day. Being like, well, then why in the world? It it, it doesn't, it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it. Not a single thing makes sense. That's all you got to do. Anyway, follow us on Twitter at behind underscore gorilla. Follow back wrestling fans. Tweet all the links to the episodes. Clips sometimes, random stuff, David Arquette stuff. Again, Happy 20th anniversary to David Arquette winning the WCW World title, April 26, 2000. Um, yeah, so follow us on Twitter there, at behind underscore gorilla. Same thing on Instagram, at behind underscore gorilla. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Mark Markbrand. And I'm at Harris Wilson. So that as well. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. It'll be Harris's turn to come up with, with uh, something to talk about. And... Um, all right. Anything, any final things to say before we sign off, Harris? Just go watch that clip of <laughs> the unmasking. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a classic. It's a classic. All right. Thanks a lot, guys, for bearing with us through this garbage storyline. And uh, we'll have another one, hopefully just as bad, next week. It's going to be hard. I'll do my best. Harris will do his best. Thanks a lot, guys, and we'll talk to you next week.